You're listening to Bridge the Gap Season 4, a podcast dedicated to inform, educate, and influence the future of housing and services for seniors. This podcast is powered by supporting partners Propel Insurance, Inquire, LTC REIT, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. Learn more at btgvoice.com. Welcome to Bridge the Gap Podcast, the senior living podcast with Josh and Lucas. An exciting episode on today. We're going to talk some about some things that will educate, inform, and influence you. We want to welcome Steve Kennedy and Scott Tittle to the program of Viam. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks so much. Yeah, you know, Scott, um, you are brand new over at Viam. We've had Steve on before. We've had a great conversation about market trends, updates. There's a lot of shift in our world, in the marketplace, and in senior living in particular. You have a very diverse background from lawyer, advocate, advocacy, lobbyist. Uh, this seems like a very interesting uh, collaboration that you guys have put together. Before we get into your background, Scott, Steve, I'd love to know the thought process of this kind of unique combination of this brand new team member that you've brought on. Yeah, thanks, Lucas. Yeah, we appreciate being on on Bridge the Gap. Um, I, you know, we, we've been around Viam Capital for for just over a year, and we we've been very blessed uh, to have. Uh, success and it's gone a lot more quickly than we thought. And so now that we've established, you know, our foundation, you know, getting close to closing a uh, billion dollars of financing in just over a year, you know, we, we really wanted to make sure from the beginning that we were not just a lender and not just another lender, but that we were an advocate and an advisor and a trusted partner to our clients. And so, you know, I, I've known Scott for several years and he's, he's the, the right guy on the bus. And if you can get him on this bus, you want to. And so, uh, yeah, that was the thought process of, of from the get go, how can, how can Viam Capital really just be a, a partner and an advocate to our clients to help them succeed so we can help them. That's a great introduction. Scott, tell us, uh, about this collaboration and your background in the advocacy arena. Yeah, thanks, Lucas. Yeah, I've just come off an incredible six-year run as being the executive director for the National Center for Assisted Living. Uh, for the listeners out there who may not be familiar with us, we're the uh, largest trade association in the country representing uh, assisted living providers. Um, we're a federation trade association model. So I work out of Washington, D.C., but we have 46 state affiliate chapters across the country that are fighting for senior living, boots on the ground in state capitals. Um, so it's been a great collaborative work with our state partners, for sure. Uh, did that for about the last six years. And then prior to that, I ran our Indiana state affiliate uh, for five years. I'm a lawyer, lobbyist, healthcare policy uh, person by background from the Indianapolis um, healthcare market. So it's been an incredible run and very excited to be uh, joining Viam in this new role. As Steve mentioned, we've been friends for, Steve, I think it's been, it's, I'm thinking about the time when I, I started at the Indiana Healthcare Association when you were in your former role at LP and you guys were um, sponsors for our association. So it's been, it might be eight or nine, maybe close to 10 years since we first met and met the other, other members of the team, including Chris Blanda. So um, anyway, I'm, I'm really excited about this next stage of my career and to be working with an incredible group of professionals who are, see themselves as more than just, you know, lenders to their clients. Um, you know, I really think during COVID, the important stage that that uh, outside resource uh, providers have have seen themselves has been a much more of a holistic 
approach and relationship with their clients. Um, you know, it's all hands on deck during COVID for sure. And I know Viam is perfectly positioned to be that for the lending side and for our clients going forward. So Scott, I love this background. Uh, I know our listeners are going to find that very interesting. Uh, seems a little bit out of the norm from what we hear typically from, you know, a lender or um, a financial partner to, to have this kind of um, emphasis on their team. So with this, uh, with you coming on board, uh, relatively recently. Tell us a little bit about some of the things that are on your radar, uh, what you're working on uh, as of as of now. Yeah, you know, um, I think one thing that's, that we've learned during COVID for sure is, you know, the financial impact of this virus on senior senior housing is significant. And, um, you know, we've, we've fought tooth and nail um, in, in D.C. with the other national trade associations to make sure that senior living was at the table whether it was for uh, distributions from the, from the provider relief fund, um, access to funds for PPE, uh, being a part of the of the testing distribution channels, um, and certainly the vaccination uh, pharmacy partnership program, making sure that senior living was part of that as well. And I think no longer on the financial side can you just see lending as a standalone service. Um, you know, reimbursement, um, regulatory issues, policy issues are inextricably linked to finance. And, you know, the, the sector is, 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 is going to go through a really difficult period of time here um, if census doesn't improve more rapidly. And with this new Delta virus coming in with a very real possibility of, of some uh, restrictions on visitation uh, and move-ins, mask mandates, um, you know, all these trends are coming back again for sure. Uh, you know, it might be harder to see census recovering at the pace in which we know operators need it. So the, the ability to work with an incredible group like I am going forward to help clients through this difficult financial crisis and which, you know, it's again, it's no longer that you can just be a lender. You've got to you've got to be able to tie policy, regulatory and other public policy concerns in and which in and through lending as well. So it just it's I see it as a great opportunity for me to bring what I know on the policy and regulatory side, uh, lobby and advocacy in D.C. and our state capitals uh, to a great team at Viam. So uh, talking about the the advocacy uh, with the regulatory environment in, in, in specifically dealing with that, are there any um, big challenges or obstacles that you see in front of us that are glaring as an industry uh, that we're going to need to overcome, oh, let's say, over the, over the remainder part of this year? You know, um, I think this year it's all about the financial uh, situation for the sector, right? Some of our uh, association surveys show that, you know, 40 to 45% of operators uh, aren't sure what they can do over the next 6, 12 months with current revenues and current census levels. That's concerning. Um, you know, there's only so much money coming out of the provider relief fund. Um, you know, there were several hundred billion dollars that went to state and local governments. Um, and we're fighting, again, very hard in our state capitals uh, to make sure that some of those funds do trickle down to the long-term care sector, including senior living, but it's not going to be enough. Um, and so operators are going to need to find ways to be very creative on the service side uh, to make sure that they're you know, managing expenses as best they can, but also find new ways to, to fund operations going forward. Um, so I think that's going to be the real, I think this year it's going to be all about the financial challenge, but a huge component of that, of course, is labor. Um, and when you talk to operators, uh, the biggest challenge they have right now is holding on to current staff, the costs of agency staff, and then very close third on the expense side, which I think the, the public at large really can't appreciate very well, is the cost of PPE. Um, you know, it's, it's, 
what's what's been asked of operators through this crisis to to find PPE through the through you know, str- through through struggling uh, distribution channels, uh, increase spike costs, um, and then also just making sure they've got an ample supply, ample supply going forward. That's a significant cost center for operators as well. So one thing I want to dive in, and we won't chase this rabbit hole too much uh, because I could probably you know pick your brain for hours on this, but. I think there's a ton of our listeners out there that um, don't fully understand legislative and regulatory processes. A huge sector of the senior living industry is made up of small, relatively small uh, owners and operators um, that all have unique situations, um, you know, all across the country. Many of them are part of, uh, or maybe not part of, a state association, a state affiliate of an organization like you led, um, but they don't fully understand uh, how um, they can impact or influence policy or advocacy as a, as a one-off community and how the connection runs from the local community through state to the regulatory environment. Can you talk about some of the collaborative efforts from a policy standpoint that might be taking place um, that are ensuring that those those small regional operators out there are their voices are heard yeah that's a great point josh i mean i think as we look at um if you look at other national trade associations right like think about pharma um you know pharma is um well, i'm not terribly familiar with their entire membership you know there are six to eight to ten large pharmacy companies in the country, their makeup pharma, and then some smaller regional operators couldn't be more different on the, on the long-term care side. Right. I mean, um, you know, if you look at senior, if you look at skilled nursing facilities, there are 15,000 or so skilled nursing facilities in the country, the largest operators, Genesis, of course. Um, but their market share, I mean, it's, is it one or 2%? I mean, it's really small. I mean, think about how diverse the, 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 the senior, the skilled nursing facility side is it's even more so on the senior living assisted living side at your point, Josh. Right. I've seen numbers, depending on how you scale it, if you look at licensed uh, assisted living operators throughout the whole country uh, of like 15 beds or above, which is a larger facility, right? You're talking about maybe 24, 25,000 total facilities across the country. But if you scale it all the way down to the really small facilities, like even four four units, you're getting to the 40,000 numbers. I mean, there are so many assisted living, senior living providers out there, to your point, they're small family owned, um, you know, independently owned. And so um, the trade associations serve as an incredible opportunity, whether it's NCAL, Leading Age, uh, Argentum, ASHA, you know, to, to be that voice, whether it's in DC or in state capitals. And so um, we've actually seen, we actually saw during the, during the pandemic uh, at NCAL, our membership in, increased. Uh, we were worried about membership decreasing both on the skills and AL side, just because of financial strains. But we actually saw membership grow. And I think it's because people saw there was value in information flow, value at being the table, value in having access to, to data, updated guidance uh, documents. So we actually saw an incredible value. So I, I would encourage listeners to, to, to be part of as many trade associations as you can. You know, um, I think that that collaborative effort is really important. And we, we say that um, association management is just like long-term care. It's a team sport. And I think you, you got to be, be at the table to have the most, um, the most up-to-date information. But kind of back to your question, Josh, I think as I look back at the pandemic, you know, the, the collaboration in D.C. among all the national trade associations has never been better. 
uh, we started meeting right away on a weekly basis every Wednesday morning with the five or six uh, national executives to make sure we were all coordinating, uh, sharing data, sharing information, sharing um, what we're hearing from the White House and, and CMS and, and Capitol Hill, uh, and then coordinating those efforts. Um, it's been a great work, great collaborative work with the other trade associations. And I have to say that the um, if you look at the, the the role that we played to make sure that senior living was at the table with respect to distributions of the from the provider relief fund, uh, that senior living was able to receive the free tests, um, the Abbott rapid rapid tests, and then also uh, be part of the Phar- pharmacy partnership program. That was absolutely direct result of all the great collaborative work. And so, again, I would encourage uh, your listeners uh, to consider joining a trade association uh, because just just to make sure you have a seat at the table and, and you're part of that advocacy voice. Wow, love that. So, Steve, uh, this is obviously a strategic move for Viam uh, to bring on someone of this caliber and this background. Uh, what are you hoping that this brings as far as value and emphasis on not only your clients, but kind of influencing your vertical in our industry? Yeah, we feel like it's the next logical step to meeting that vision that we had when we launched Viam. And that is to be a more holistic provider, advocate, and partner, and and not be in the background, uh, but being on the front lines. And so, you know, we a lot of us have been uh, very active, uh, specifically in the HUD senior living lending world for a long time, and and we're doing right now, you know, a lot of transactions. Well, those types of transactions become a little bit harder to value when you're looking at your trailing twelve cash flow, and you know, having to take away some. COVID related revenue and add back some non-recurring COVID expenses and, and how can we underwrite projects and appropriately size them? So it makes sense for the, for, for the sponsors and the operators, but also it makes sense for the HUD mortgage insurance portfolio. You know, we need that to be strong. And so, you know, what we've done uh, historically is build really good relationships with, you know, HUD senior living leadership staff from, Roger Lewis and, and Roger Lukoff and, and, and their team, we want to double down on that. And we want to be able to provide to them even more value, not just on, on working together on how to value properties, but also, you know, how can we make sure that we've, we've got a seat at the table, they have a seat at the table when it comes to how senior living is represented in Washington. And, and we saw a lot of that, that success that Scott talked about and sometimes senior living, you know, it's look, we're smaller than multifamily. We're smaller than hospitals, but, but we're so important to so many parts of our society in particular right now, as we care for our aging is, is, is we have to be on the front line arm in arm with those, with those bigger participants. You know, Lucas, we talk a lot on um, this network about building relationships, investing in relationships. Uh, We talk a lot uh, about our partners, uh, investing in relationships and being more than just a product or service provider. Um, And and that being all, you know, interested as a a partner to the industry in your day job, 
Uh, what do you think this is This is as far as a move? I mean, what's your take on this? It seems like a great re- relationship builder. I love the creativity behind it. And, you know, there's a phrase that we've used for years, Josh, is that we're better together, right? And to be the tide that rises all boats takes a lot of different people with different backgrounds and different skill sets. And I, I, I like I said, I love the creativity behind this, Steve. I think it's uh, an important move. I think it's um, a good model for other people in the industry to follow. Um, and I think it's going to be very interesting to see this, this play out, um, you know, regardless of, uh, you know, it's a complex issue that we're facing, um, raising occupancy and balancing out all of these extra expenses that the industry is faced with. The challenge is which direction do you go? Um, what are our value propositions? Um, you know, senior living's big value is community, care, relationships, congregate living, and the challenge of stripping all of those major value props away um, with uh, distancing and masking and things like that is is very challenging. And so. Um, you know, I think that the industry has got to continue to get very, very creative um, and very, very real on how you're able to bring community back. I think that that's going to be part of the um, it's not a secret ingredient. It's the it's the best ingredient that senior living has to offer for people that want to um, spend some of the last moments of their life in a place where they feel loved, a place where they feel welcomed and a place that they feel like they're a part of a community. Um, and so this is a big challenge that operators face. And, um, I think that continuing to be creative and continue to coming up with ideas like you guys are doing is going to be a part of what is going to get, uh, the operators, um, back into a position where they need to be. And, a part of uh, uh, presenting that message to our general public to say senior living is very safe. Um, this is a safe place to live. And uh, and so I think that taking back that narrative is going to be very important. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Well, you know, this has been a fun conversation. There, there needs to be a lot more conversations around these topics, uh, you know, Scott, welcome officially to the Viam uh, family. Uh, appreciate all that you're doing already and all that you're going to do for the industry, for your clients. Um, Steve, it's always great to have you on. We've had you on before, and it's good to see you again. We'll be uh, connecting with you very soon uh, at a big event uh, in Nashville. And, uh, you know, our listeners, as Lucas will share, are going to want to connect with you all and, and be picking your brains and, and strategizing with you all. So very glad for you all to be on our show today. Oh, yeah. Thanks so much for having us. Absolutely, Steve and Scott. And also thanks to Viam for being a great partner and supporter and sponsor of the VIP Ignite experience. It's going to be uh, in Nashville on August 16th. It's going to be an incredible uh, event to ignite change and build trust, which is all a part of what we are talking about here. So thank you, gentlemen. Scott, thank you for your time today. Hey, Lucas, Josh, thanks so much. I look forward to be back and maybe we can uh, dig into some individual uh, topics going forward. But uh, anyway, I'm really excited about this new role. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Our pleasure. And Steve, great to see you again. You too. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And thanks to all of our listeners for listening to another great episode of Bridge the Gap. 
Thanks for listening to Bridge the Gap podcast with hosts Josh Crisp and Lucas McCurdy. If you were informed, educated, or influenced by this episode, we want to know. Leave a comment on social media or contact us in the show notes. Powered by supporting partners, Propel Insurance, Inquire, LTC REIT, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. Learn more at btgvoice.com.